Hello, and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Monica and Wayne. How's it going, guys? Good. It's going tired, but it's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everybody's tired. I'm tired, too. Oh, gosh. Uh, this is an episode where we're not going to have any guests. It's just the three of us, but we're all exhausted. I got home from work, took a nap, ate dinner, and then texted everybody and said, okay, you guys about ready to record? And Monica's like, I need to take a nap first. And I'm like, yes, okay, I understand. (laughs) Which I will say has nothing to do with my excitement about this particular topic because I am taking time out of finals week to record. That is how much this got me out of bed more than cocaine bear, which is really saying (laughs) something considering (laughs) how excited we as a group have been about cocaine bear. Yeah. You've been busy. You still haven't had a chance to see cocaine bear. And And after we recorded that, I stumbled across some other stuff and I want to come back and record an addendum to (laughs) cocaine bear Bear part two. (laughs) I mean, don't, don't know that I'm kind of okay with it. I'm not against it. (laughs) It's, It's not a whole lot. It's just some, across something that's part of my history with bear stuff that I didn't remember because it goes back far enough. Like, (laughs) crap, why did I see this two days after we recorded to remind me of it? The cocaine bear bonus episode. (laughs) (laughs) Leave us a five-star review and say you want a cocaine bear follow-up. Leave us a five-star review and say you want a cocaine bear follow-up and that you want us to finally open a Patreon and then maybe we can have a cocaine bear two episode on the Patreon that we don't actually have because none of us have the time to record any extra episode. Right. Wayne, did you get your nap in too? I did, yes. Yep. Yeah. We're yep. all old. Na- nap and we're, nap all old. we're all old, which leads into the next topic, kind of, in a weird way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I gotta say, I am honestly thrilled that of all of the hosts, Wayne and I, as the oldest and the youngest, are the ones who are like, this is the episode we want to be here for. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. So what is the topic? And I guess I wrote it, but it's based on a concept that Wayne said, if I remember correctly, you mentioned it for the first time during our things you missed episode. I think I think it was after, I don't know the context. They mentioned. I think it was for our box office draft. Maybe it was for box when, office draft. Maybe Wayne picked 80 for Brady. Oh okay, yeah. Maybe I don't remember. Like I didn't see this movie until after that. I saw the movie and I never remember the title of it. It doesn't stick in my brain. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Right. With Emma Thompson and some guy whose name I also don't remember. Daryl McCormick. Yeah. And it's not a lot of car chases or explosions or special effects in this movie. It's uh. not a lot. <laughs> and I don't know the origins of it. This is something I watched with my roommate and girlfriend. More at her urging. And I'm glad I watched it. I liked it a lot. But it's, it really feels like a two-person stage play that they filmed. Mm-hmm. It's Emma Thompson and this guy sitting in a motel room and talking for two hours. Now, it's mm-hmm. different <laughs> encounters, but it's two people talking for two hours. And in the last 10 minutes of the movie, a third character comes in because they meet at a restaurant and the waitress comes by. So it's a very talkative movie. And the premise of it is mm-hmm. she is, Emma Thompson's a couple years older than I am. She's in her early mid-60s. And she is a woman who has led a very sheltered, very normal, very sexually unadventurous life. Mm-hmm. And her husband died. And she's horny, but she's also kind of wanting to experience something other than, and the way she describes it over the course of the movie is her sex life with her husband was okay, but she had nothing to compare it to. So she hires a young, gorgeous gigolo to teach her about sex. Mm-hmm. And that's the movie. And it's 
charming and it's touching because when they first get together, it's them talking and him being just really incredibly kind to her and her fears and insecurities and all that stuff. And we also see that, you know, we get more backstory on him of why he's there and doing what he's doing. So I found it to be a really well-written and touching but it, I think I brought it up just to me, there was that question of, and maybe this is too early for this part of the conversation. And I don't even necessarily think that this is true across the board, but you know, it's a 63, 64 year old woman hiring a gorgeous young 25 year old to have mm-hmm. sex with her. And if you reverse those roles and made it a 64 year old man hiring a 25 year old woman, that's suddenly a very different movie. Yeah, I think it's a very different movie, but I don't think it's a movie that you can't do, which I and I agree with that. I mean, Mm -hmm. so much of that is the way it's done. And I think it was handled in the same way Mm -hmm. where, you know, the the older man were also insecure and damaged and all that stuff. But we'll come back to that. That, That's just but that was the movie that got you that got us on the topic. Right. And I theorize that there is a whole genre of movies that I call old people still fuck movies. That's what it is. And mm-hmm. what old is varies slightly from film to film. And so in this one, which I've not seen it yet, and I need to go watch Leo Grande because that is exactly the kind of film that I enjoy. I like. I think you'll like it a lot. I like yeah. very simple talking movies. And yeah, based, so based on what I know of your taste, I think you'll like it yeah, a lot. I wanted to watch it this week, but as we handed out during the show open, I was just really busy and I didn't get to it. But there's this movie where the premise is she's old, but she's not super old. She's I checked. She was like 63 when she filmed it. And Daryl yeah. McCormick was like 30. So there's a 33 year age difference. She's more than twice his age and woo, scandalous. Right. But then I was thinking, you know, there are a lot of movies that have this theme. And the one that came to me first was how Stella got her groove back, which is based on a novel. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, how much older is she supposed to be than him in that novel or in the film? So I went and checked and the ages of the characters are explicit, though they don't they don't quite match the ages of the actors. But it's a 12 year age difference in how Stella got her groove back. He's 28. She's 40. That's it. Like, it's not it's not a long time. Now, then I thought of other ones and the ones that that's, like, that, 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 that's a May, September, May, right. maybe even yeah. May, August. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I looked at some of the other ones like I thought, OK, so the obvious one here is Harold and Maude. If you've never seen Harold and Maude from the 1970s, there's a 60 year age difference. I think she's 79 and he's 19. He's right. a teenager and she is a much older woman. So Harold and Maude. Then I was thinking there are a lot of ones where where it's not quite that much. So Manhattan, 27 years. American Beauty is 25 years. Lost in Translation, which is, I think, much closer to the Leo Grande, 34 years. Scarlett Johansson mm-hmm. and Bill Murray have a 34 year. And I don't think they say their ages in the movie. So I use the actor's ages, yeah. which I figure is roughly what they're supposed to. I figure they're roughly playing their own ages in that film. And so 34 years in that. So same thing. And it, these are all films where the premise is one older character. I'm going to say false for because it, you know, it varies whether there's love or lust in each one. But one older character falls for a younger character. And then the movie is how do they relate to each other through this sexual relationship? Even if it's and not. So then are we saying that those are the only old people fuck movies that we're going to count? Because no, for me, no, when we, we were going to do this topic. The one that for me stuck out the most was I remember watching Calendar Girls as a kid, which okay. is a Helen Mirren movie in which a, a woman is a widow and they want to 
pay, but they don't have enough money for the memorial service, which won't get into how incredibly fucked and sad that is when it comes to the funereal mm-hmm. industry. But they decide that they are going to do a, a nudie charity calendar. But all of mm-hmm. the women in the calendar are over the age of 50. Uh. So the movie's from 2002. So Helen Mirren mm-hmm. did this movie when she was... I'm going to say roughly 55, 57, something in there. Mm -hmm. She's like 75-ish now, right? And But this was supposed to be like, you know, oh, the women are old and getting dressed up as if they are, you know, playboy Mm -hmm. playmates months of the year. And so it was always meant to be like a... A comedy but it was one in which it's it is also the plot is these women just rediscovering their sexuality without it mm-hmm. being based explicitly on coming to terms with a sexual relationship or sexual desire mm-hmm. but rather like the, just the them being sexy for yeah. the sake of sex mm-hmm. for the sake of sexy and so i also kind of thought about like it's these old people fuck movies that that exist also within that category of it doesn't have to be based on relationships with these wide age gaps because Wayne, while you watched a very touching movie to prepare for this episode, I watched Milf Manor, which we will get into. <laughs> yes, we are too. I, I want. I, yes, I want to do. A, I want to do a whole. Ep- we should touch on it. But I want to do a whole episode about Milf Manor in and of itself because, oh my God, do I have thoughts? Yes, <laughs> but yes, yeah, and yes. To Monica's point, I think the May December romance is one of them. But also the other side of it, I was thinking of is just films that I was thinking of on Golden Pond from the mm-hmm. 80s, Cocoon. There's magic space magic in that one. So whatever. But even like Grumpy Old Men, Grumpy Old mm-hmm. Men is old people falling in love with old people. And the, the entire point of that movie is, you know, they're in their 60s, but they are still horny. You know, like that's mm-hmm. it up. I mean, that's, and I think it's just like girls, so, right? Yeah. 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 The yeah. Golden, older girls yes. having age appropriate relationships. Yes. They just all happen yeah. to be 60. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and they're not. So maybe, 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 yeah. maybe the, mm-hmm. yeah, the theme of the show then is navigating sexuality as we age right not just old people right and it's not yeah and it's not just necessarily old people with younger people though i think that's an important issue but i think what makes this interesting is i was watching preparing for the show I was watching the episode of CNN's History of the Sitcom documentary on sex because I remember the section was in here. They're on, and they had the producers of Golden Girls on talking about how the brilliance of that show was they wanted to have sex farce, but they wanted to have frank discussions about sexuality that they knew they couldn't get away with on television at the time. But they figured that if we want to have a discussion about condoms, we can get away with that if we have a 60-year-old woman have that conversation rather than a 25-year-old woman. And that because was it, and that was how much thought they put into it. They're like, we want to do it, it, so we'll make her 60. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it, it feels a little bit like a farce at that point, so people are able mm-hmm. to accept that. Yeah. It was literally, that's how, like, that's where it sprang from. They were like, okay, we're just going to... And if you think about it, there are very, other than the title being called Golden Girls, there aren't that many any references to them being to the main three characters obviously the older mother sophia is supposed to be an old lady but for blanche dorothy rose they're not it's not like there's a lot of hey you're so old jokes it's uh, you know like one one is a divorcee and the other two are widows but you know people are widows at 20 sometimes it can happen happen, right and in fact if i remember correctly rose's husband had like a sudden heart attack right and you know so like i don't think it's really about them being old they just happen Mm. to be older and so you and and most sitcom cast at the time right the most sitcom cast at the time right but but then if you compare it to their base 
basically the same age as the characters on and just like that right now which and just like that is the revival of sex in the city and they're you know they're all in their 50s now because time has moved on and it's the same characters yeah. so, well, like, well friends are all the same age as the golden girls report right slightly younger slightly yeah, slightly, slightly Barely, but yeah. getting there yeah pretty close i think anyway but I, yeah i think we're doing more than that i think the issue is do we have uh, a reason other than what the they said on that episode do they have a reason why we think that sexuality is supposed to die at some random period like it, it seems funny to say that but like there's always been these movies even like the like i said cocoon cocoon is hey aliens have given old people the energy to to fuck and to climb trees that's what they do in that movie i don't know if you've ever seen it <laughs> there's a lot of i feel young again i'm gonna climb this tree and i feel young again i'm gonna make love to my wife and like like and you're supposed to go ooh, naughty they're doing it but you know 70 they're not dead they're just 70 mm-hmm. we lose monica no, we didn't know. lose me. I suppose it's that my brain is processing. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like it's a bit more than that, especially Mad, when you frame it as like, is it because it's seen as like farcical or novelty? It, and it, there is something strange because like, like relationship movies just exist, right? And sure. relationship movies, and we have romantic comedies and we have movies like, you know, before sunrise, after sunset, whatever piece of weather that we've just put <laughs> in order to watch the development of a relationship. We have things like marriage story and in which marriage story is a lot of sitting and talking in a room about, you know, how sex has disappeared or sex is happening with someone who's not your marriage partner. Right. So there is something interesting in that, like all of those movies are allowed to just exist. And the novelty is like it's a relationship. And then somehow the marketing decides that, like, we need to care a little bit extra about it being a relationship that happens to do with old people. It's like really yeah. strangely ages. Well, I, well, well yeah, it, it assume, is. I think to some... assume that only older people would want to watch movies about older people, or to yeah. assume mm-hmm. that only younger people would want to watch movies about older people if they are funny, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, for me, where I take a lot of issue is that it seems like the framing of these films is one in which it's like, oh, this is for a niche audience. Yeah. Of so so much, old people. so much of the marketing. There's that whole obsession with youth culture, you know, like just the demographic. We are aiming at 20 to 35 year old. Mm-hmm. So there is just, you know, love stories are about young, beautiful people engaged in young, beautiful things. And mm-hmm. anything outside of that, because of the nature of how we've been enculturated to embrace this youth marketing thing, feels off the beaten path. It feels out of the ordinary. That, yeah, you know, sex dramas between older people mm-hmm. doesn't seem normal. We, you know, we're not normalized talking about it. 35 feels like it's pushing it. Yeah, and, right, yeah, no, yeah and you're right. Yeah. 35 feels yeah, that, like. If you're 30, when you're 35 years old, it's, and I don't agree with this, but I, I think that there's a sense of, as a 35 year old actor, there's a, wait a minute, why are you making these sexy, why aren't you making family films yet? What are you doing? You know, you should be playing a mom or a dad. You know, there's, yeah. there's a little yeah. bit of that. It's you know? very much the Amy Schumer's last fuckable day mm-hmm. skit, right? Right. Yes. 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 Which is that she has a birthday party and then she's congratulated by all of her older actress friends who say, oh, you've now graduated from roles, the roles that you used to play in which you are a love interest and now you get to be the mom Mom. or the grandma (laughs) 
because now you are 40 and you are no longer fuckable, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. But it yeah. also just, there's something very strange about it. the other movie that I'm thinking of, which is not, it is not at all an old people fuck movie. I don't think that they have sex in it at all. Mm-hmm. But I watched, without realizing what I was getting into, Supernova on an airplane, which is Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth playing a gay couple in which Stanley Tucci mm-hmm. has dementia and has decided that he wants to commit suicide because he doesn't want Colin Firth to have to care for him as he mm-hmm. loses ability to reason. Mm-hmm. And so I ugly sobbed like on, on this airplane <laughs> through this movie, like that did not have a wide release, which is the like, um, because air, airplane films for people who don't know, like is a pretty separate distribution market than Netflix. So things that are pretty indie, it's a good way to actually get your films sold and distributed mm-hmm. is via airplane model. You cannot go yeah. anywhere. You cannot walk out. Yeah. It is. And you were like, I guess I will watch this indie movie. Right. For two hours. Paid my seven, I've paid my seven bucks. I'm committed. Yeah. <laughs> However, it's incredibly like sad and moving and but it is one in which it's like, oh, but they're gay. You know, like it just and it I'm just having a lot of trouble with the fact that in 2023 we haven't like reintegrated the formula of how we specifically market all of mm-hmm. films that are about people later in life. Well, yeah, the idea that somehow is novel or novelty the same way that you see films that are about queer relationships represented mm-hmm. as being this well, like novel with, with and that. therefore you are being progressive because you are showing did either diversity of aging people. Did either of you watch The Last of Us, the HBO series, based on the video yes, game? I watched it. Yeah, there's the one episode of that starts out in that world with, you know, fungal zombies and whatever. And then for the next 50 minutes is this beautiful gay love story to, between two older men. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and that's the episode. It, like, we, we don't have yeah. fungal zombies running around. We have a beautiful gay no, love story. And they, yeah, they're, bar- they're barely mentioned. Yeah, the zombies are barely mentioned in the Bill episode. It is and, it is excellent. And, well, yeah. I have heard of Supernova, but I haven't seen it yet. And I want to see it. But I'm Monica, having seen it, you just said, you know, you wish that old people movies were normalized the same way that we are trying to normalize gay people movies. But in that film, they're both gay and quote unquote old. They're both Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth are both in their 60s. So, I mean, it is arguably and again, I've not seen it. You have. But my understanding is they're supposed to be married and they're supposed to have been like together for like 20 years or 30 years. Like they're a long term couple, right? It's yeah, and maybe, no, maybe my point is not getting across. So Supernova to me is a movie where I felt like both aging and okay. queer relationship were actually portrayed in a way as if this was like not like gimmick it, like okay 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 yeah. got it like but also this was a movie that i was only able to encounter because i was trapped on an airplane right like right right this, this is what i want like representation to be and stories to be and yet my accessibility to any of those is not what it is for 80 for brady right like that mm-hmm. that is right. my yeah. frustration yeah. right yeah, and it is available for streaming on Hulu currently. So you can, we can watch it and I might have to watch it later. But you're right. There's a push behind 80 for Brady. There's a push behind Book Club. Not to be a four quadrant film because the of what Wayne was saying earlier. There's a presumption that, you know, movies for everybody are about heterosexual white people who are between the ages of 20 and 30. Like that's, that is, those are everybody movies. Everything else has got to be a niche. But like 80 for Brady, while being 
being pushed as a niche movie was at least being pushed. Like I, the only reason I'd even heard of Supernova before is because I'm a weird film nerd and I, and it has, I mean, it has, it got real, it got really good reviews. It's got, I mean, it's like at a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes or something. So it's doing, but it has a current box office of $681,000, which is nothing. If you, I mean, that's that's like, that is a movie that like Monica said, people are only watching this if they're on plane. Like that's, and it's not like, that's clearly what they intended to do. Like did not make this for wide release because probably they knew they weren't going to get a wide release for a little indie film about two, you know, 60 something gay men where one's dying slowly. But at the same time, us talking about the idea of 80 for Brady being a niche Mm -hmm. movie because it has, you know, Jane Fonda in it is ridiculous to me because it's literally Mm -hmm. about Tom fucking Brady. Like (laughs) we're going to talk about the thing that is like antithetical to being a niche movie. It's you ask people who don't know anything about football to name just one football player and they will probably (laughs) say Tom Brady, right? Like this is a movie that conceivably is not niche at all. And that is maybe why I am frustrated as it is being pushed as like, like, look, old ladies get it on. Old ladies are sexually interested in Tom Brady. And it's like, yeah, because everyone is. Right, like okay, I I just have to throw in. You're not from Pittsburgh, trust me. Yeah, not okay. Tom Brady. Yes, and I am not into Tom Brady because <laughs> I find the idea of aggressive heterosexual males to be disgusting. But at the same time, I understand <sighs> that, like, if we are talking about Wayne's demographic of like, are you between the ages of? 20 and 30 do you vote kind of moderate like you know like all of those things are one in which you're like yeah the tom brady box is one that probably is not <laughs> offensive and is familiar to you and is being marketed he is masses, familiar to you right like I, that movie is not being marketed yeah like despite being described yes is being yeah, marketed would, to everyone as a tom brady that, movie well, that's what i'm wondering yeah. and it's hard to, and okay so part of it is hard for me to say there i cannot cannot set aside the tom bradiness of this film okay there are the, the, there are, are from boston mav i yeah, think it will if, I, if, well, no, if i'm from boston i absolutely want to fuck tom brady no matter what right that is what you that well that's until your niche. You move. it's not the old that, people that's your niche. it's boston right it's boston right, right? Yeah, right i get that right but if i'm not from boston and i'm not from one of this one of the six cities that he screwed over pittsburgh being one of them i don't know that i think tom brady is a draw in that he is a name that people know but i don't think he is at his current stage in his career and this movie is in theaters right now i don't think that he is the young hot sex symbol so much as he is just the he's the nfl player whose name people know i don't like i mean of of the primary cast of the film i will absolutely fuck jane fonda before i fuck tom brady like without a doubt (laughs) (laughs) and you know and and frankly the other women as well oh god sally fields in this film yes absolutely (laughs) so so, yes (laughs) i mean there are these are women who are like i mean i am a man of a certain age i have seen Smokey and the bandit and i understand right like this is a thing it makes sense so just I feel like the current Jane Fonda movie Jane Fonda is at a point in her career 
where she had a TV show that Frankie and Grace that was that just finished up this year. But she is making movies and TV shows where she plays this character. She plays an 80 year old woman who is still hot and wants to fuck. That's her. That is the Jane Fonda role right now. That is Jane Fonda, the person, at least judging by her interviews. Yeah. Judging by her interviews. She is living her best life. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, that's not a complaint at all, but she's got this. She's got a. She's got a movie coming out later this year called Moving On, which I know nothing about it, but like judging purely based on poster, she is playing that character again. She's got a movie coming out called Book Club, the next chapter, which is a sequel to the first book club. And she plays that character. This is what Jane Fonda does. And I feel like she has an audience to where for someone who is a current senior citizen, someone currently actually even a current senior citizen is like your senior citizen, I guess at like 65. So if you're in your seventies or eighties, I think Jane Fonda still has this. Yeah. She's still a sex symbol niche that I think that's what 80 for Brady is. And I don't think it needs to be. I think that you can. So, cause again, let's be honest, Jane Fonda can still get it. If, if you stick Emma Thompson in that movie, in the Leo grand movie, I understand the character and I go, okay, I see you're doing the story where she's, you know, teach me the joy of sex. If you stick Jane Fonda in that movie, I don't think it works because nothing about Jane Fonda makes me think this woman has had one husband that she's been faithful to since she lost her virginity when she was 18. That is not yeah. Jane Fonda. <laughs> Which is something I maybe want to bring up as of Jane Fonda as like the case study, because I also mm-hmm. think most people, when we talk about our grandparents, we talk mm-hmm. about the discourse of having to have weird Thanksgiving conversations that have to do with politics in ways that we don't want to, right? And Jane Fonda is very explicitly... Not so much my experience, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're talking about, yes. <laughs> like, Jane, but Jane Fonda is not that, right? Like, Jane Fonda goes on The View right. and thinks that maybe we should blow up Republicans. Like, right. so we need Jane to Fonda, talk about... Jane Fonda is aggressively progressive. She, and has been for, yeah. and for a very long yeah. time. Yes, it has who been. she is. That's who she's right, always been. Years. But mm-hmm. at the same time... Hanoi Jane, yes. Getting her <laughs> in these movies is, mm-hmm. I think, also then a further niche in which we are also talking about, like, these are some very, like, liberal, free-spirited old people that she's targeted yes. at, right? Because yes. I don't think that necessarily same conservative Bostonians who might want to fuck Tom Brady would necessarily be down with Jane Fonda in the same way, I'm not right? sure. Like... I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. That Jeez. divorce of of politics from these movies about like yeah, I don't know. People still fuck. That is something well, that is very curious to me. Maybe I mean so. There is certainly amongst young people thinking about old people, and by young people I mean anybody who is young enough to still have older parents or older grandparents, right? So like, so I don't mean, I don't mean teenagers. I mean, 50 somethings and 60 somethings thinking about their 80 something parents, right? I think that there is a, there's an inclination to want to go. And you know what? I'll even say 20 somethings thinking about their 40 something parents, right? To go, oh, my parents don't do that anymore. You know, and I think that Jane Fonda is clearly an exception to that. That's been her, that's been her character. That's her character in On Golden Pond. And that movie came out in the 80s. Years ago. Yeah, she, she was 40 in that film. And like, and she was a, 
she was a, a vivacious, you know, active 40 year old woman in that movie from 40 years ago. So like, that's just, that's the Jane Fonda character. So I think, I think that there's an inclination to, you know, want to distance ourselves from the sexuality of our parents and which like, I, maybe that makes it uncomfortable for some people to watch movies about older people. But I think that if you are in that age group, I think maybe you look at uh, at an 84 Brady or a book club or a Frankie and Grace and you say, yeah, you go, girl, you know, like you <laughs> get yours. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would hope maybe, so. I'm guessing. Right? Which is yeah. also maybe it's time for me to bring up Milf Manor because okay, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. So I watched the first three episodes last night to prep for our mm-hmm. podcast. And the listeners who haven't watched, which like, really, you should figure out that's Wait, our do you know what it right is? now. And you should be watching no, no, Milk Manor. Yeah, um, so Milk um, Manor is on TLC, which stands for the Learning mm-hmm. Channel. And I sure did learn a lot. Because the other thing that we all know that I watch religiously is the 90 Day Fiance franchise. And it happens to come on after the 90 Day Fiance franchise mm-hmm. on Sunday nights. And it is about a bunch of MILFs who are it's essentially an island dating show you know where everyone gets put on a tropical island together and it is Mm -hmm. really hot women who are roughly 50 year old women 40 to 40 to 60 the oldest woman is 59 and they have Mm -hmm. all talked about how they want to pursue relationships with younger men and then the twist of the and by younger men what we mean Mm -hmm. is somewhere between the ages of the youngest is 20 and the oldest is 30 the twist Mm -hmm. is all of the men that they are dating are each other's sons Yes. They don't know that when they show up, by the way. No, that is the twist. Is that they learn that they will all be dating each other's sons. And then the chaos that ensues is all of the sons cock blocking their moms and all the moms stepping in to like swoop in and cock block their sons of deciding who is an appropriate quote unquote match for their mom or their son. That's right. When everyone in this house has somewhere between a 20 to 30 year old age gap and i love it perfect television no notes perfect television (laughs) 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 notice i think that there's a flaw in the design for the show because i in real life you know there's people like me you know i would totally go on this show and i and if my mom was hooking up with somebody i'm like yeah you go mom because because I am a loving son and I want my mother to enjoy her life. So, so that, that would be me, but, but that's not, that's not how that's casting not, works, right? Right. That's casting not, that's exactly what's good. That's not dramatic television. We're going you to cause to tension. Yes. Right. And that's not, well, I don't know. I love the idea for this program. We might have to do a whole episode devoted to MILF Manor. Like we might have to just do a retrospective. I don't think, I'm not sure how many weeks are left in it. But like I'm it's all about MILF Manor. Up. The first season is about, completed. I okay. believe the season finale was a week or two ago. It's it's a pretty low commitment for everybody. I believe it's a 10 episode. Episodes? 10. Yeah. It's, oh, it's eight, nine episodes. Yeah. So, you know, group mm-hmm. watch and yes. then and an um, higher episode. Yeah, I do think we should do a whole show on MILF Manor, but realistically, just don't understand. Like, they're not that old, right? I mean, the youngest woman, woman on MILF Manor is like, yeah, and the youngest one is like 45 or something like that. She's like, she's not, you know, she's younger than me. I will say that 44. over the course of my watching, the things that made me feel, it gave me the ick, were actually never mm-hmm. any of the women. It was the fact that there was a 20 year old boy. And there was something in which, but at the same time, there was no ick for me when I look at like the 30 year old like and there was no ick for me in terms of any of the older women like talking or pursuing the 20 year old but there was something about the like aggressive pursuit and sexuality going on by a 20 year old in general 
But I think now the reverse. You don't think twenty year old boys are? What what I'm getting at is, you brought up maybe we don't like old people fuck movies because we don't like thinking about like parents fucking. And I think maybe Mm -hmm. I don't like. Now I am getting to an age where I teach children, and I don't like Mm -hmm. thinking about my undergrads fucking. Right? Like I think that now the reverse is starting to happen, in which maybe that's why I am moving into the like to the niche market in which I want old people fuck movies. Old people fuck movies are for me because I'm no longer Mm -hmm. thinking about my parents doing it. And if I am, I'm like, yeah, you go parents. Cause now I've hit the threshold of being an adult where I understand that sex is normal. But at the same time, then I want to, it is how most of us got here. Yes. Yes. But then at the same time, then I want to psychoanalyze what it, yeah. What it means for me to then be ageist in the other direction to think that there Mm -hmm. is not consent for a 20 year old to be experimenting with their sexuality. Because again, quite frankly, how did I get here? I had to figure out a lot of stuff. I, sorry, mom and dad, mm-hmm. having sex. Like, and so <laughs> there, there's just something very interesting to me that there seems to be the teeter totter of policing behavior around mm-hmm. sexuality, specifically that seems to come out when we have these conversations. But the best place to do it is at MILF Manor, where we can see them both <laughs> happening at the same time. <laughs> I, well, okay, so so we talked about this episode as you know old people fuck movies, right? Is there? I mean, let's explore this younger people thing. I hadn't really considered it because I don't have a stigma either way. Like I've never had a problem with the. You know, I mean, so again, my students are just as young as Monica's students, right? I mean, we both teach college, so I have students who are presumably between the ages of seventeen, eighteen ish. If for the youngest ones and 22, 23-ish for the older ones, unless they're a non-traditional student. But for the most part, your undergrads are going to be between 18 and 22. And I presume most of them are sexually active because I went to college and I remember how it works. <laughs> like, like that was, you know, a main part of my experience there. So I presume they're, and it doesn't bother me. It's not like I'm imagining in it. I just, it, I have no concern about it one way or the other, but also I guess I figure, I don't know. I mean, I guess I figure that naturalness is okay for me to where I'm interested in the story if it's interesting but I understand what you're saying I think that there is certainly I have talked to people my age who are like I can't really watch those teen sitcoms because I don't want to because I have a daughter that age and I don't want to think about her having sex and I'm like well don't think about her having sex you know like like this is a, I, it's never been a problem for me but, but I do understand that logic now I guess that I understand intellectually that people feel that way so so maybe there's a different episode about i don't want to call it young people fuck because everybody just sort of accepts that but i do think that there is that you know maybe ick factor of wanting to get away from people who are in the uncomfortable age bracket for you in either direction which is also an interesting one just considering how many episodes i've also dedicated with you mav to talking about children on the cw by which i mean 28 year olds children on the yeah. CW. <laughs> well, but see, that's a big deal. So you weren't around yet when, when we did the the teen exploitation, whatever I called it, the 20-something teen episode. I don't think you were on the show yet. But the difference between like children on the CW watching it, or 
Okay, when you were watching Gossip Girl live, and I know like, you know, now it's in reruns, but like when you were watching Gossip Girl live, those characters were the same age as you, but the actors were older than you, right? Like yes. Blake Lively is older than you are currently. Even now, even the people playing teenagers on those shows now are 28. They're a couple of years younger than you. They're, you know, they're in reasonable dating range for you. Is that fair? Yes. <laughs> like, you know, so I think, think that's a little different because even if you intellectually pretend that they're teenagers for the sake of the show you know they're not and does that scale to the kids on stranger things for you who are actually teenagers or the kids on i don't know if anybody watched this that 90s show which i thought was delightful um, i haven't watched that yet i want to it was adorable it, re- it really was and one thing that's odd about it is the cast of the show are 14, 15, 16 year olds. I think the oldest actor is a woman who I, if I remember correctly, she's supposed to be 16. And I think the oldest is actually 20. So believably a teenager, much more so than the actors who weren't Mila Kunis were on the original show. Mm-hmm. So, so it does is like the, there's the girl who plays Donna and Eric's daughter, who is the main character of the show. And you look at her and you go, yeah, she's 15. She's clearly actually a 15 year old girl. And when you look her up, cause she was actually a 15 year old girl. So anyway, Monica, does that make it more uncomfortable? Like when you're just because actual kids versus the pretense of being kids, right? Like, you know, you like gossip girl. Cause you know that they're really 30. So I think that the when we recognize them to be adults, right, mm-hmm. I'm willing to forgive it. But then mm. it does feel, yeah, I think there's just something about like, I have hit the point where I feel old now. <laughs> 20 sounds young to me, right? And I, yet you're the youngest on the show, right? Like yeah, you, you said that same, before. Yeah, exactly. There's something about the old people fuck episode that caused me to feel old. And there's something interesting <laughs> happening here, guys. <laughs> 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 one of us one of yeah. us <laughs> i do hear what you're saying i hear what you're saying it is weird though you know you're my friend so i know enough about where you stand from attraction wise to where i know the answer to this is already like you're not going to be grossed out by the concept of older people who you know who still want to do it right like it's not we've talked about this on the show before we've talked about the fact that Helen Mirren is fucking hot right and when you watch that scene in Fast and Furious with her and Vin you're like why are you not kissing what's going on fucking kiss him do it (laughs) climb on top of it and you just because there's so much sexual chemistry between Vin Diesel and Helen oh Wayne you haven't seen this film oh god there's absolutely more between between the two of them than anyone else in the entire fucking movie yes Um, I I never want to see or I never need to see Michelle Rodriguez and Vin Diesel kiss ever like they do not look like they enjoy each other's company not that either (laughs) they're both attractive people they do not look like they they enjoy each other's company Helen Mirren and Vin Diesel, I absolutely believe are fucking between scenes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like there's just like, there's just so much as like, like, and that's, they're not supposed to be involved on screen, but they got in this car together and they chat back and forth and they look at each other and you're just like, Oh, those people are in love. <laughs> like, and not like a, and like, just not like I should say, I said fucking not. No, I believe there is actual emotion involved. I believe that they were absolutely into each other. I've never, seen actors look at each other 
like that. And it's just like they they just appear to adore each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then they're in they're both good looking enough. That you go, I get it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I get it. You know, so do we want to see an old people fuck movie like a May December romance between Vin Diesel and Helen Mirren? I mean, did you Kinda watch? Do. I was going to say, yeah, did you yeah. watch Red, which was the Make retired, it. extremely dangerous action movie yeah. also with Helen Mirren in which she gets to be an action star next to Bruce Will. Like, I mean, that's kind of what we want, right? I, but that's another one where, like, it very much we, we, is that, it, like, n- the niche it, of, like, old people can still shoot guns, old people can still it, run fast, old people can action heroes can without having call, heart attacks. You can call it fast and furious, just not having cars. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any other ones though? I don't know. It's of action action movies where they're old now. Well, I don't know. Let's oh. ask Harrison Ford about his sixty fifth yeah. Indiana Jones movie that's about to come out, where he's clearly going to have. I don't know if they're going to show love scenes, but there is a sexuality to Harrison Ford's Indiana Jones character, and they're always yes. um. And he's the world's sexiest and so, professor. That's why I watch it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Have you ever done the math and realized that he was fucking a 13 year old? So <laughs> there, there, there is that flaw in the in in the original Raiders. If you do the math and you realize they had a relationship like six years ago and she's like 19 and you go, wait a minute that uh, or whatever it is. Like, I, I don't remember exactly the exact age numbers. It's implied that they were together. They were originally dating when she was a child and he was a college professor. <laughs> so not like a like not like he was dating an undergrad, like he was dating a girl in high school or junior high. And you're like. Like, yeah, that that's probably not good. I don't know. There's certainly a gendered aspect to this, right? Like, certainly we tend to forgive the older man, younger woman relationship classically a lot easier, except for I just spent five minutes talking about how much I wanted to see Vin Diesel with Helen Mirren. So is that I don't think that's just me being weird because I'm not the only person who said that. No, absolutely not. And, not in the well, 10th Fast and Furious yeah. movie. I will be upset. Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. So here's the thing, though. Like the when Indiana Jones likes a younger woman, and he in those original movies, he's not his character is not old. His you know he's just whatever age Harrison Ford was. But when he likes a younger actress, it's just normal because Hollywood normalizes you know twenty something actresses with thirty five, forty year old actors. So fine but when it's with a woman i think that becomes the story right like you can't do a story of leo grand and this is what wayne was getting at before if you reverse the genders of those characters does it still become about their age in the same way or is it just that you know sometimes 63 year old men hire 30 year old prostitutes that's just the thing that we do yeah you know and and, i I don't know i think certainly that i mean you you say that hollywood has normalized that older man younger woman thing but i think that's changing as well i think there's been a lot of blowback to that trope for any number of reasons yeah but i I do i think it's a very different movie well in translation right lost in translation Scarlett Johansson's 25 in, and I think Bill Murray is, I think he's 63, something like that, when they film it. So, I mean, so, that's I, like, so I, I think that what we're, we're discussing here, though, is it's really hard to just like hit a movie against another movie in which there's age mm-hmm. gaps and decide if we feel like it could be the same if we're gender swapping. Because what we're ultimately talking about becomes power dynamics, right? Yes. And it has yes. very little to do with gender. 
and everything mm-hmm. to do with who has the power in that situation. And that usually it's assumed that the person with the power is older one, male. right? And then the oh, idea oh. that like, or the assumption could be that the person with the power is the male. And so if you are the older male, then you are automatically assumed to be right. in the position of having double as much power, which is, is why it becomes really hard to have these conversations in terms of mm-hmm. gender swapping. Well, because and, and- is sometimes it's plot, but sometimes what we're talking about is also, yeah, it's like social conditioning and it is it's deeper than that in which the things that we are worrying about in terms of power dynamics may not even be in the script or on the page. It's things that we inherently so, have to well, I, think well, about in terms of society. Some, yeah, and those are some of the exact things I meant when I said it would be a very different movie. Things like the power dynamics, exactly what you said, <laughs> the assumptions about the male having the power, the older person having the power. Ooh. And I don't know that you could have the same types of conversations with... I mean, it, well, you can have a conversation. You, so you could. What I'm wondering is, because yeah. like Lost in Translation, I don't know that I... like. Okay, and to be fair, Lost in Translation is a phenomenal film that won Oscars, deservedly so, because it is an amazing movie. But what makes that movie work is I don't know that Bill Murray seems more powerful than Scarlett Johansson in it. They, yeah. they're, the entire point of that film is that they have they each have their own reasons for being in the relationship at this point mm-hmm. in their lives, and they do feel equal. They feel equally problematic and equally invested mm-hmm. and on equal footing. I never watch that movie and think that old man's manipulating that young girl. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. not. Right. That's not what that is, right? Perhaps when you watch a film that's like Woody Allen's Manhattan, right? That's a really good one for us to right. throw around when we're going to talk about age yes. gaps and power dynamics. Because Manhattan mm-hmm. is Woody Allen going, I should make a movie in which everyone is going to then say in real life, go ahead and date your stepdaughter. It's fine because that is a movie (laughs) about a man who has a a film career who is then dating a much younger woman. It's just Woody Allen. That's the fucking movie. And if you you, but if you gender swap that movie, it is about a career woman who is dating a much younger man who doesn't have any career prospects, which then is also still a movie that is very much potentially about something like financial abuse or unfair Mm -hmm. power dynamics because you were talking about somebody who has all of the control in terms of being more financially and professionally established than the other person in the movie in which we can all watch Manhattan and understand that regardless of who has been cast in the gender swap, that this is an unhealthy relationship dynamic, right? And so- Well, yeah, but I think Manhattan is too, right? Like, I mean, maybe, and that's a good question. I don't think even understanding who Woody Allen is today and understanding who he was back then, in both cases, I don't think we're supposed to think that Manhattan is a healthy relationship. I, I think that he- ulterior motives though he might have had i think he understands as a filmmaker that we're going to watch this movie and go what the actual fuck dude like 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 i think it's not like he's presented heroically in the that's a bit of what i'm getting at is that we come to the conclusion of what the fuck dude but we would have come to the conclusion even if woody allen had not cast himself as woody allen in that movie right yes absolutely if he had cast another actor and if that other actor had been female presenting we would have still come to the what the fuck Woody Allen conclusion that we come to when we watch Manhattan. They're able to parse out the idea of these power dynamics as being Mm -hmm. uneven regardless of who is being cast in that situation. And same thing with, I mean, American Beauty. 
I I mentioned in the premise there is he's 40 and she's like 16. And you're like, oh, that's uh, that's not good. But the movie comes to that conclusion. Right. Mm -hmm. I've read the originals. The in the original script to American Beauty, they actually end up sleeping together and they changed it during filming because the director decided, no, this works better if he pulls back. And so, you know, when she says, I'm still a virgin, you know, you know, so be gentle. He's like, no, I can't do this. What am I actually doing? That stops him in the release version. But that's not what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be originally they have this loving moment together between this 40 year old man and his daughter's best friend, <laughs> you, know, you know, like that's, they changed it. Right. So, oh no, and you know, like all of those are examples where it's the older man and a younger woman. I think that you, if you gender swap American beauty, I think you still end up with a problematic situation. Um, yeah. I, you know, so I don't know. It's hard because on the other hand, I say that, but I'm having a hard time coming up with examples of, Oh no, I can't come up with example when they do. I was going to say, I'm having a hard time coming up with examples where they do it. But Nicole Kidman made one. She makes a movie called to die for where she's a reporter, a newspaper reporter, and she ends up having an affair with a high school student and they end up killing for her and everything. It's it's it is this story, but the story there and she's not particularly old when she films it. I mean, she's came out in 95. So Nicole Kidman would have been 28 when she made it. Oh, I mean, so she's not. But it is. But the point of the film is she is an older woman taking advantage of the power dynamic that she can manipulate this young boy by sleeping with him. But at the same time, Mav, if we're going to say like, oh, she's not that old, she's only 28. Like we are still talking about like we are stretching to find instances in which Hollywood is like reversing the power dynamic. But they are still sticking within our like Amy Schumer, like fuckable lady dynamic. Right. Oh, yeah. She's they, yes. like they have decided in order to do this because there's also the Kate Mara series, a teacher where she plays a teacher that has an affair with a high school student. But Kate Mara is like mm -hmm. 30 also. Right. We mm -hmm. are still stuck within this. If the age dynamic is going to be swapped. Well, the woman can't be like old and she still has to be hot. And I guess mm -hmm. I'm even when I think of I think of a film like Carol, right? Like Carol is one of the very few queer novels ever written that actually has a happy ending. It is a mm -hmm. period novel, and then they made it into a movie starring oh, Kate Mara's sister, Rooney Mara, <laughs> and, and Kate Blanchett, because we have mm -hmm. decided that the, the Mara sisters are there for the interesting affairs. Also, the fun little also, affair between Kate Mara and Kevin Spacey in our favorite little cards. House of Cards. Wow, mm -hmm. really just putting that all together as a six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I am so sorry, Mara sisters. <laughs> just to help, something you might not be aware of, and there's no reason, the Mara sisters are part of the Steelers dynasty for uh, they are yeah. the nieces of the owners of the pittsburgh steelers and also the nieces of the owners of the new york giants oh so they also would not fuck tom brady that's what we're saying yeah, yeah. Right. oh yeah. Absolutely. absolutely absolutely not <laughs> absolutely rooney, not rooney rooney mara is named so the family of dealers her name is rooney it's the it is the family name of her you know because she's it, yeah, our, it's her mother's maiden name family she is named after the rooney family she, if she were to fuck Tom Brady, she would be disowned. <laughs> that, that is how that would work. I, the point that I get at was, so Carol is a film in which an older lesbian woman starts a an affair with a younger lesbian woman. And so if we mm -hmm. are going to talk about, and that is one in which there is 
discussions of there being a power dynamic, especially within the original novel, of part of the reason that Carol is attracted to her is because it's Carol is a mother and it brings out her like mothering nature. And there's a lot of scenes of her like feeding milk to Rooney Mara. But at the same mm-hmm. time, the power dynamic is one in which if she pursues her lesbian relationship, then she loses custody of her biological daughter to then be able to have the relationship with her queer daughter. And so this mm-hmm. is one in which if we're still talking about the power dynamic, all of these things of it's really hard to find movies about age swapping. It's really hard in those movies that are about age swapping. The women still have to be really young and hot. Like we are still stuck within that like very patriarchal mm-hmm. Hollywood hierarchy of making mm-hmm. these movies. And that's why it's so hard for us to come across any of these case studies which honestly, if we're going to bring it full circle, is what makes it pretty revolutionary for us to get so many Jane Fonda Fox movies, right? It's because mm-hmm. that is absolutely outside of the typical Hollywood system. For us to have all of these conversations about all of these other films that really seem to fit struggling against this mold, and yet we consistently get a Jane Fonda that is against that mold. Do we consider Kate Blanchett to be against that mold as well? Because I mean, you just mentioned no, Carol. absolutely. Because she also is 53 years old right now. And just starred in an Academy Award nominated film, Tar, which like Tar is the story of a gay woman who still fucks at age 53. Like that's there's more to it than that. And it's a fabulous film. And everyone should go see Tar. It was actually really, really good. But like her character is I am a sexually confident and aggressive lesbian woman of the age in my 50s. Like, that's- like and please. No one can tell me that Ocean's 8 is not a movie in which Kate Blanchett and Sandra Bullock are not fucking off camera every single scene. It's so gay. <laughs> it is so gay. But yes, I think that Kate Blanchett is our modern Jane Fonda of getting to have like an older, like, like queer icon who gets to fuck. Yes. Mm-hmm. But now, of course, they're both. But again, you say that, and yet Jane Fonda. Well, and maybe this is true of the men too. I'm just, I want to caveat this: Jane Fonda and Kate Blanchett at 53 and 80, whatever, are very much conventionally Hollywood attractive. Absolutely. Right. And I'm wondering, but and I was going to say that's not true of the men, but actually probably for, for most of the men it is. I mean, it's not true of Woody Allen, but Woody mm. Allen is also making films that he is the star of because he fucking wrote and directed them. Right. Like, it's not like right. it's not like anybody cast Woody Allen to be the sex symbol. Woody Allen right. cast himself to be the sex symbol, because by comparison, I would say Harrison Ford is conventionally Hollywood attractive and, in, in, you know, as an 80 year old man. Yeah. I would say Bill Murray I would say so Tom Cruise is you know, Bill Murray, not so much. But uh, but that is also yeah, part Tom, of that Tom, Tom story. Cruise. Tom Cruise, absolutely. Yeah, Tom Cruise, I'd say yeah, is. Bill have Murray's you ever seen like so. a Vince Vaughn movie and been like, oh yeah, he could really get with her? No, no, you have not. Well, I maybe because I, I I don't think Vince Vaughn doesn't. I mean, yes, I understand your point you're making, but Vince Vaughn doesn't make movies where he gets with women who are 30 years younger than him he gets he makes movies where he dates jennifer aniston who's his age it's like they're age appropriate as you know because or, there's no he, age gap is your yeah yeah i'm not I'm, i mean i am acknowledging that like, like if we're going just conventional way hotter even if she's age yes, appropriate yes. Oh, age appropriate yes, exactly. doesn't necessarily a, mean attainable for you sir those are different yeah, <laughs> right. yes yeah yeah i'm just saying yes i no i agree but i'm saying if i see a film star Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston, I do not automatically assume that there is a power dynamic 
between them that needs to be overcome the same way I do if I see Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray together. You see what I'm saying? Like that, that, yes. that was the point that I was making. I don't, assume, I don't assume that he's her teacher. <laughs> I don't, you know, or her, you know, or her minister or whatever, right? Like, I don't assume that like she's, he's her dad's friend the way I would with, with, with a bigger age gap. <sighs> but then on the other hand, they're also, you know, Jennifer, I mean, there are people in their fifties, so they have all gotten into, I don't think we think of Jennifer Aniston as an old lady. I don't think we think of them. We still picture her from friends. Right. But she is locked into people. Now the same age as calendar girls. And so there right. is something kind of nice 54, about yeah. yeah, because you, Mav, you brought mm-hmm. up and just like that. And some of that it is because we grew up with Sex in the City. And so we have mm-hmm. the associations of them being younger versus them being introduced to us at this old other age. But at the same time, that's what Jane Fonda is. That's what Betty White was. These were people who had mm-hmm. very long careers before they got right. established as right. old people fuck like queens right, right? right. The, there's something particularly interesting going on about yeah almost a de-aging versus well, uh, uh, over-aging Alan, Alan of some actresses over others mm. yeah helen mirren same thing just this long career rue mcclanahan was 51 when she started starring in, in the golden girls so she's younger than she was younger than jennifer aniston is now and absolutely uh, i would say that jennifer aniston is miscast if we were like hey we're gonna do the golden girls again sorry yeah. jennifer aniston right 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 <laughs> Mm-hmm. Betty White was 63. Yeah. So we're going to do a reboot of the Golden Girls, the three women from Friends. <laughs> well, I mean, a reboot of the Golden Girls. Still Friends. Well, my point was that the reboot of the Golden Girls is, and just like that, you know, and maybe there's another episode there that we have to do. I've been watching videos that I've been talking with Steph about it as well. Just, you know, when you're married to another academic, you have really weird, nerdy conversations sometimes. But we've been talking about the concept of retrospective aging, where mm-hmm. part of the reason you say that, like people, what Monica just said, we'd feel weird about casting Jennifer Aniston and Courtney Cox and Lisa Kudrow in the Golden Girls, like even though they're golden ages, they're in their 50s, right? Right. But it's not so much that like, like we look at the, at the women in the Golden Girls as though, oh, they were old biddies on that show, but they weren't. I've watched the Golden Girls recently because Steph's a big fan. So I've watched it a lot recently. And the Golden Girls, like I said, the jokes really aren't about them being old, except for Sophia, who's in who's actually the actress who plays Sophia is the same age as the rest of them. She's just in old lady makeup. So her joke is that she's old. Everybody else is they're just, you know, they're older, but they're not supposed to look decrepit. Um, We we picture them looking that way because in our minds, that's what old ladies look like. But that's because they're old now or they're dead. And now. we they're watched all, all it dead. when we were in our and we you, you and right. I originally right. watched it when we were in our 20s or teens or whatever. Right. So and they seemed older. Right. Retrospectively, they're older. And now we look at their pictures and it's like, oh, they're old. And like, no, they're just dressing like women in 1985. They're <laughs> dressing like they're dressing like middle aged women in 1985. Whereas, yeah, they're dressed like my um, mom did in 1985. Right. 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 Whereas whereas Jennifer Aniston, without having met her, I'm going to guess Jennifer Aniston dresses probably a lot like Monica's mom does today. Well, yeah. I mean, for argument's sake, right? But at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it just, I mean, just like, yeah, she's got a, she's got a, you know, it's not like it's a, it's not like, like Jennifer Aniston, not on the red carpet, but I mean, Jennifer Aniston, you know, just in a random movie has on like, or she's, you know, in her TV show on Apple TV where she's wearing like a, you know, 
a pantsuit because she's supposed to be a reporter. And that's it's just that's just what she looks like. She looks like a middle aged woman on TV. <laughs> you know, like she's got a sensible haircut. And I don't I don't think that she looks old, but I don't think Betty White actually looked old in 1985. I think Betty White looks old in 1985 with 2023 eyes. Yeah, that's what period clothes do. Yeah. As you think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's from a really long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, <laughs> period clothes or contemporary clothes because it was actually a really long time ago. Yeah, but yes. And Betty White maintained that look. Because if you look at the haircut that Rose has on that show, the on the Golden Girls, that's basically just how Betty White had been wearing her hair for 20 years at that point. She had, like, right. if, you, if you find pictures of Betty White at age 30 was hot. <laughs> but she had that, but that was the hair she had. That she looked the hairstyle, right. Well, so did Shirley yeah. Temple, <laughs> yes. who was nine. You know, like it's yeah. just- yes, exactly, exactly. That was just that was, was just the, the hairstyle, hair. and yeah. it's just like yeah, so. So we've resolved nothing. So we've I don't resolved want to. Get, I do not want to get into Shirley Temple's sex life. <laughs> this is not that show. <laughs> it is the show in which, in a future episode, we will talk about Milf Manor. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I do want to talk about Milf Manor. Let us know in the comments if you want us to do a Milf Manor show. If you're willing to commit to watching episodes of Milf Manor on TLC, you know, which you can download. I mean, do want to talk about have it? The Discovery um, Plus app. I have thoughts. It is only like three ninety nine <laughs> a month. It is so well worth it. Awesome. So anyway. Monica, where can people find you? Haven't been, you haven't been around in a while. People might have forgotten. Might have forgotten. Well, you can find me on Instagram or on Twitter, and that's at Monica Marvelous, and that is L-O-U-S on Instagram or L-O-U-X on Twitter. I sure use them both a lot less now that I'm in a PhD program, but if you wanted to talk to me about Milf Manor and 90 Day Fiance, you could get me to use them again. <laughs> Uh, I, the show, you know, before Monica graduates, we will have to find a six co-host to fulfill that we need a perpetual grad student because I really do <laughs> think it, like for a long time, like at the beginning of the show, it was me, Katya and Hannah. And we were like, oh, how you feeling? And we're tired. There's a lot. <laughs> and now Monica has bravely taken up that. <laughs> I have right, written Monica. so many bullshit papers. <laughs> I think I'm learning. I'm not sure. Uh, as we speak, I mean, as you listen to this, well, no, as you listen to this, it's if you listen on the day it drops, it's still Monday. But like if you listen to it a couple of days later, I'm on a plane on my way to PCA and I am not prepared for that yet because PCA is coming up <laughs> next week and I am not done with my paper yet. So, so I've probably, I'm probably said, real tired by the time you listen to this. As I said, right on schedule yeah <laughs> oh wayne where can people find you i've been gone so long i forget where people can find me so i just <laughs> here mostly oh. yeah mm-hmm. and then like you know before monica graduates you're gonna have to enroll in grad school so you can- <laughs> okay all right we'll do I, i'm gonna do that when i retire enrolling in grad school start having a lot of sex again because i'll be old yeah one of the two one of the two one of the two uh and as always, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. All the places always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show. Most of those same places at Vox Popcast. Instagram still sucks and is ruining my life by not giving us our account back. Please write to the Instagram people. Tell them give back the Vox Popcast account. They've done nothing wrong. 
I really, I'm really sad about us not having an Instagram account, guys. I don't know what's wrong. It makes me upset. And I don't know how long I'm going to complain about it. Maybe till it comes back. I don't know. You can follow the show's blog at www.voxpodcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. I don't know what that is. I have an idea of a couple things it might be, but I'm not sure. So you should check it out. See what we posted. See if there's any comments or thoughts that you have. You can tell us your feelings on this show or any other show. You can suggest topics of things that you want us to talk about like milf manner say more milf manner say you want to talk about retrospective aging say you want us to talk about young people have sex movies because i think that there's issues that we talked about that in passing but i think there's issues there say whatever you want we like hearing from you if you enjoy the show and we certainly hope you do then please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and do us a favor leave us a five-star review that really helps us out, especially if you don't just leave a five-star rating, but you leave a five-star review, especially if you do that on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and makes me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I would like to thank Maximilian of Vault 4 Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.